Oh, Steven. A lot has happened. Just stretching out my vocal cords. I'll share you once once we begin share with you once we begin the podcast for real. We didn't start yet? No, not yet. This week we watched the Jack Black movie, Nacho Libre. Nate, this has been one of our most requested movie reviews since the beginning of this podcast. Every time I did an Instagram question or asked for feedback, everyone says Nacho Libre. And I remember whenever I would mention it and say, hey, let's do Nacho this week. I always sense some pushback from you, Nate. You sensed it because I very overtly said, no, (laughs) no, I don't want to. I don't want to watch this movie. Please don't make me, Steve. (laughs) I think you did say that. But thankfully, this week, yes, I was on an opioid. <laughs> you were on a painkiller because of surgery. And my gumption was high. Well, I'm glad you finally did it. I had not seen this movie in a long time. I had seen it a, a while ago, but I rewatched it. <sighs> so let me, let me start. Let me start. Start with a couple things here. Just, why don't you start? And finish this whole just... No, no, no. I need, I need to, your specific opinion on a couple things. Sure. We, we won't drag it out. I won't, I won't walk you through every scene of this movie. <laughs> but You're the best. The, thank you. The Rotten Tomatoes, 40% critic score, 54% audience score. I was a little surprised the audience score was not higher. I thought people liked this movie better than that. But that's okay. I wanted an, an objective opinion, Nate. Outside of both of us. And so I asked God. No, I did not. I asked <laughs> Roger Ebert's website. And I read his review of Nacho Libre. And for the rest of the podcast, we are going to just read that. <laughs> no, no. But it, and I will take a small nap. It, it did make me think a little bit more about the movie. But I, I liked his opening of this movie. And so Roger Ebert said, Jack Black is essentially intrinsically and instinctively a funny actor he has that christopher walken thing going where you smile when he appears in a movie it takes some doing to make a jack black comedy that doesn't work but nacho libre does it what an achievement (laughs) i feel like that also is my sentiment i don't know how you feel about jack black in general which i would like your opinion in a moment but something about jack black makes me smile just seeing him on screen. Nate, how do you feel about Jack Black? I have the same feelings about Jack Black, I believe, that I have for Adam Sandler. No. They have, they have a shtick. They have a thing. They found pretty early on what they're good at. And to their credit, they have financially exploited. And I mean that not in a negative sense. They've taken advantage They've taken the opportunity that life presented to them, and they have capitalized on this quirk. Jack Black has a very expressive face and does a lot of... Uh So Jack Black has never really resonated with me. Okay, okay, fair, fair. Actually, as a voice in Kung Fu Panda, not bad. I agree. I agree. 
Okay. I'm okay. I'll step in now because I need to participate in this podcast. Yes, please. Nacho Libre is the worst. Oh my God. The absolute worst. I watched it and thought, I don't want to finish this movie. It is alarmingly unfunny. The director, Jared Hess, who did Napoleon Dynamite, that movie, Napoleon Dynamite, quirky and actually had some funny parts. Super weird, super, super weird. This is like all of the weirdness, but less of the funniness to it. I maybe chuckled one time in this movie. Do you remember when? Yes. The very one time is before Nacho and his wrestling partner, who I don't even remember his name, Steven. nor do I care. Sure. Steven is his name. Before a wrestling match, he says, like, you're not baptized. And we're fighting, like, the, the, the devil's minions the devil. or whatever. Yeah. And so he comes up behind him, and he forcefully just, like, karate chops the guy's face into a bucket of water. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Okay. <clears throat> so I will I... Mm. <laughs> Mm, I, no, no, I'm continuing. Let me continue here because... Okay, all right, fine, go ahead. Here are some several things I don't find funny, and they are used a lot in this movie. Right. One, uh, Jack Black's problematic Mexican heritage or like sure kind of accent sort of thing he's trying to do in a funny way. Yeah. That never landed with me ever in this movie, and I found that strange. Two... I didn't find anything funny about him and the nun's relationship in like a he's super attracted to her, but like she's just kind of like, let's be friends and she's an attractive nun and all that. Never found any of that funny. I don't like use of like he's like slightly overweight and the little overweight boy and it's like, let's laugh at this guy who's got his shirt off and like, let's get some chuckles out of that and like body humor and farting and... (laughs) stupid stupid stupidness thank you (laughs) okay all right so i agree about those problems and also there were problems that roger ebert pointed out like the wrestling scenes could have used a lot better choreography like those scenes could have been way more enjoyable to watch if they were just choreographed better so so i i get that sure the like (laughs) the, the random flatulence seemed kind of out of place and uh, yeah, definitely didn't need that for sure and the the physical humor i didn't laugh at that like that wasn't funny to me yeah it seemed juvenile in a in a way that was like there's a type of juvenile humor that i will laugh at there's a 12 year old boy inside me that like at times will just chuckle at things that are just dumb slapstick yeah but there is something like i don't know if it's mean-spirited or there's some sort of thing about this movie where I found the physical gags, like, for example, Stephen, at some point in time, he, he picks a cow turd, a, a cow pie, off of the pasture. Yeah. Picks it up yeah. and smears on his face. Yeah. That in and of itself, is that the joke? Like, oh, look, he's got poop on his face. Uh, I don't know. Th- th- okay, I, I agree with you. Those are not good. And typically, I don't enjoy slapstick humor for the most part, like in general. I agree. None of those times did I didn't find that funny. And chuckling out loud was maybe twice for me. All right. Tell me your times. 
the the baptism one was fun when he writes the letter to the nun and Stephen delivers it and then at the very end of the letter it has like little x big x and you hear nacho's voice <laughs> little kiss big kiss see that was kind of funny it was hug hug kiss kiss hug hug big kiss little hug kiss kiss little kiss there were moments like when the, he thinks he's doing a eulogy for the guy who has the flu towards the beginning, and the guy's not actually dead. Who has the, he puts the coins on his eyes. But then he goes to this monologue where he's like, he had a beautiful garden, and it's just desert out there. And he's like, and a nice collection of Russian nesting dolls. <laughs> like That was funny. Now, I didn't laugh out loud, but it put it, I smiled. I smiled at those yeah, moments. It was, it was decent. Those were decent. So two things that... I believed in this movie, and you'll probably disagree, but I, be- I didn't believe the nuns so much, but I believed Jack Black's feelings for the nun. And so whenever he did things with motivation towards her, I, I at least believed that. Okay, okay, so my follow-up question to that is, yes. did the nun, he sings, he sings some sort of song, which is impromptu, probably an ad-lib of Jack Black, which I didn't find interesting at all. But no. did you find... The, was the nun like interested in him ever romantically or was she just had always had more of a, a very innocent view? I think there were two moments. One was right after she finishes reading that letter from him, she like slides it under her pillow and lays on it. Okay. I saw some emotion there. Okay. And then when she's watching him wrestle, she is there with all the kids and stuff and sees all that. Okay. I, I, I believe those two moments. But- Apart from her performance, I believe Jack Black's and whatever he did for her and to her, like I believe those moments. And I, for some reason, I also believed that he cared for the orphans for whatever reason. And I know it's not an overt part of the story. I don't feel like he ever did. To me, it doesn't feel like he ever cared for them. Maybe the one kid who was a wrestling fan. Then, but like even when he's like trying to tell the kids to stop wrestling and then goes into a monologue about... How being a monk is great and all that. Like, it's awkward, but he's still trying. But sister, they are just ninjas trying to release their wiggles. The interaction when that one kid hands him his mom's machete, that was a weirdly poignant moment for whatever reason. Sure. Tell me this part didn't get you. Or a couple times we hear that he doesn't have money to buy good ingredients to make food that people will enjoy. And like you can tell that he actually wants to. And so the first time he gets money, and then the next scene you see him putting salads in front of all the kids, and the one kid who specifically asked for a salad looks at it like in amazement. Tell me that was not at least somewhat touching of a moment. It was not somewhat touching of a moment because the very next second he goes and like crunches up these tortilla chips and blows them over the nun's salad and ruins the, <laughs> the sweetness of the moment by doing something very Jack Blackie. <laughs> Fair enough. I, the blowing of the tortilla chips was dumb. But I still, <laughs> it was enough of a moment with the salads. Like, okay. he got, like, he, he used his money to do something nice for the orphans right. and even her. And then he bought himself a bunch of shoes. And He bought one pair of shoes. <laughs> but one pair of shoes. <sighs> but anyway... I don't know. I found myself not laughing out loud, but I did find myself smiling on occasions during the movie. Even like the opening scenes when you see his hand 
like coming in from off screen and like grabbing stuff and then messing things up. Like he pulls the, you know, tablecloth out from the table and like everything knocks over. Like, I don't know, even those moments. And then he does it later as an adult. I don't know. I I smiled at it. It wasn't hilarious or funny, but I, I still smiled at it. So you're telling me there was, this is good. You're telling me there was just a, a bit of delight you were able to find, a little bit of joy you were able to find in this yes. cow pie of a movie. Yes. And going back, <laughs> going back to how he cares for the orphans, there is a scene when he's with the orphans in town and they see the pro wrestler guy and they want his autograph. And Nacho doesn't like this guy because he's his competition or whatever, but he still goes over to him, asks them for an autograph. And when he ignores Nacho, he says like, Hey, these kids are orphans. Like you can give an autograph. And then he pushes them down. Like, okay, I'll be honest. Decent, decent scene. That scene was the, the most I probably liked Nacho in this whole movie was that going up. Yes. Trying to get an autograph Yeah, and being turned down by Ramses. I do think there are, some threads that, and this was one of Roger Ebert's points, is there's like scenes and threads that just get totally left and are not continued. Like at the beginning of the movie, it looked like they were setting up this, the other friar who basically just told Nacho like to go away so he could have time with sister or whatever. Yes. I thought maybe that would be a thread throughout the movie of like, you know, they keep, but that just gets totally left out. Exactly. Find the egg. Crack open one of them and then swallow the yolk. Or the scene of him going to like, I think I read this in a review. I don't remember which one. I read a few reviews to help me feel like I wasn't alone in despising this movie. Um, <laughs> of a scene where he, where he climbs that cliff to eat the eagle's egg, which again right. is a gross out gag. Right. Like it's designed to be like how gross this yolk is everywhere. But the scene, like the joke of it, as we talked about joke uh, formation in our last uh, podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. It is him climbing up, him finding the the eagle's nest, him breaking, and like the funniness apparently is this gross yoke all over his face, and then he just falls into the water. Right, like that's the and then end of scene. The funniness is egg yolk, gross big man jumps off cliff into water or falls off cliff into water. Right? Yeah, and I didn't... And then, that, like, that never yeah. really plays a part. He does the little eagle thing thinking it's giving him strength and it never does. The end. Right, although the final wrestling scene, he does fly off the the ropes in, like, this bird. Oh, you're right. So maybe it does pay off in the end. They bring it back. Now, I will, I will be honest, that scene with eating the yolk, it's like, we know this is not going to work. I didn't really find the scene funny. I don't like gross out humor. So that's fine. But I still feel like it plays into believing his desire. He wants to be a good fighter. Like he wants to be a good wrestler and he will go like almost do whatever it takes to try and become that. And so you feel a little bit of the futility of like he's willing to climb this cliff and eat a raw eagle egg, but still not good. Like he's still not a good wrestler. So I I still like believe that part of him. Like it was kind of like oh man i feel bad for him like i i want him to win one too and even the one where he's he's wrestling like seven guys at once he looks like he's almost gonna win but someone off boxing ring like grabs his foot and he trips and then he ends up losing and he goes back to the monastery and packs up and leaves i don't know i like i felt those moments you feel for him Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm just, I'm telling you, like, I wish they would have left out the gross out humor and, and more of the slapstick. And there probably could have been better storytelling with him at the monastery and maybe more interactions with him and the orphans. But the wrestling could have been better. Yeah. I think, I mean, I guess the part of his character is that he is a flawed character. He's like, you know, for the most part in it for himself, wanting the fame and glory. And he, like, his character growth is he discovers that, you know, to do it for others. He goes up to repent, you know, and he's like, sorry, God, like, I I was doing this half for myself. Like, if I win, I'll give all the money. And then he does. Like, he wins the last match and he buys the bus to take the orphans on the school trip. And he's back at the monastery. Like, he followed through with what he said he would do in that moment. So, it's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a nice feeling payoff for that. I Like, it's such... For me, it is such a wading through the slop that even if I were to find like a decent corn dog floating in there, it's like I don't <laughs> want to eat it. It's still like floating in this garbage. And so there may be a few corn dogs in Nacho Libre, but not enough that I want to stop and eat it. I just want to climb through the slop like a double dare challenge as fast as I can. <laughs> So, I also thought some of the music choices were pretty fun. I thought, you know, that added a lot. You're right. The music choices were pretty fun. It is a constant battle for me. Uh, I mean, this is 2006. Is this this part of Mexican culture? Is this weird? Is this like the same or are you making fun of it or are, or is this like a a farce of it it's difficult for me to tell since i don't know much about mexican culture right and so so this idea like the luchador like this is actually a big part of the culture that's real yeah and in some right, of the right. trivia it said like jack black actually has an affinity for this part of that culture so he did not mean to disparage it at all um sure. you know he you know he he liked it or whatever i actually thought the wrestling part of it was done in a way that like i i thought that was I mean, again, not choreographed super cool, but it seemed like legit and seemed like, okay. Yeah, it did. It did. Apparently that there was once a friar at a monastery who started wrestling to raise money for the parish. And so it's loosely based on that. Man, a more sincere story of this, it would actually be really cool. That would be, yes, that would be amazing. Like, almost like a Cinderella man, but in this yes, yes. culture and flavor. And honestly, maybe all in Spanish subtitled like sure. that actually would be a foreign a foreign language film but yeah it'd be really interesting maybe this story like okay this is not the spirit of the movie at all and so we're talking about something that is very very different from this movie but the interesting nature of like if it was more of a serious movie not necessarily serious but like not just a farce it would be kind of cool to go into like yes a priest or a, is he a monk yeah going into this a uh, very secular entertainment culture right and basically th- there being like some people who don't approve of it and like you shouldn't be involved in this at all and some people are like no he's doing a good thing for the orphanage and i think that those are interesting questions and interesting like morality stuff that obviously this movie cannot deal with because they had a guy smear poop on another guy's face <laughs> so you sort of lose the right to have pose morality questions yeah Yes, so I, I agree with all that. I'd like to see that movie, honestly. But uh, yeah, anyway, I didn't love the movie, but again, I, it found a light. I did have to close one eye sometimes. Like Jack Black improving that song, it doesn't do anything for me. Like it honestly pulls me more out than anything. 
Yeah, the, I mean, like, but that's like his bread and like that's Tenacious D, who he's a part of, and like School of yeah. Rock, like the whole like right this sort of singing. It's like that's really Jack Blackie, and that's the parts of him that like I don't want. <laughs> yeah, I don't want this. <laughs> I get it. You must have been watching the movie when you sent this to me, but you sent me a message, and it said. I hate Nacho Libre so much. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell me at what point in the movie, do you remember what point in the movie you were in when you sent that? Uh, it might have been like before he even started wrestling. It might have been at the like the 20 minute mark of, oh, this, of this movie. Like I really like there are movies I dislike in a like, oh, I would see it again if I had to. Like, I hope I never see this movie again. Oh man! I mean, like, yeah, I get. I it. know real people worked on it. I know they're probably real. Like, I actually dislike it so much that I feel bad about how much I do because I know that there are real livelihoods and people that are like working in the industry. Not saying any of them listen to this podcast, but I do feel bad <laughs> about disliking it so strongly. But uh, that's where I'm at. I get it. I get it. All right. Well, let's let's rate this movie. From the scale of zero to five, white boots. Oh, and one last word before you rate it. You're going first in this one, by the way. That's fine. There's a couple times when he's in the wrestling match and they almost pull his mask off. And he doesn't want it to get pulled off because he's on TV. He doesn't want the orphans to see it. And there's that one scene where the one orphan like stands in front of the TV trying to protect Jack Black. That was a nice moment. Yes. But he always, you know, he's fighting to keep it on. And it's not until the last wrestling match that it totally comes off. And now he's fighting as himself, kind of. You know, there's like this metaphoric, like the mask is off. Sure. And now he's fighting. And he's embracing who he is. He's embracing who he is, whatever. Like, and that was kind of a, again, a little touch like that. Like there's, there was, I think, a number of those. You're finding the lightning bugs in the night sky. <laughs> I'm finding the flowers in the cow pie. Yes. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I something about Jack Black still like like Roger Ebert said. He's like intrinsically delightful, even if he's not funny all the time. I think he's he's delightful. So as they as the old proverb says, one out of a hundred maggot larvae are actually caterpillars preparing <laughs> to turn into butterflies. That's terrible. If someone has never seen this movie. Don't pay for it. But if you have Amazon Prime, you can go watch it for free. And I don't think it's worth less. I don't think it's worth less. So I'm for sure going to rate this higher than you. And I'm going to stick to a whole round number. Because, because, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) That little voice inside your head. That's right. The little conviction voice. I'm going to give this movie three white boots. And it probably doesn't deserve that, but I'm rating this in a subjective fashion. And again, like for the intrinsically delightful moments, I'm going to say it's worth it. So I'm going to give it three, three bits. Nate. Steven, I've never been more disappointed in you in my whole life. What did you want me to give it? One? I am going to give Nacho Libre point two five boots. Nate, that's ridiculous. Even you know that that is... No, that, that is unreasonable. I would understand one. Wait, I've never heard that. I'll give it a half boot, not 0.25. I'll be reasonable. I give this movie a half boot. This 
Nacho Libre is remember how we ranked uh, after our one year like the worst movies we watched all year? Yes, yes. I will be surprised if this movie is not in my top five worst movies I saw this year in our next year wrap up. This is close to Godzilla for me. Well, that, that was going to be my next question. Would you say this is worse than the 1990-whatever Godzilla? They are just two different sides of the same... Cow pie? Cow pie. <laughs> cow pie. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. man. One half. I, I, I meant what I said in text form. Man. Our reviews don't always elicit a lot of comments, but I am very curious what our listeners have to say about this movie and this i mean it's possible okay here's what i don't want to hear listeners i love you family <laughs> but here's what i don't want to hear you just need to watch it a couple more times and then you'll no, get it yeah. no 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 i get that no 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 that's that's not right i i can we say this is my second time through this movie in my life i think i can safely say like i get it i don't think i missed anything no no i don't think it's that it's not the Matrix, you know what I mean? Like it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not deep. Did you? So you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, right? I have. I have. Now maybe maybe we'll re- review that in the future. But how would you rate these two? Like how would you compare these two? Like I would give Napoleon Dynamite like a two and a half. Really? Like I put that kind of middle of the road. Yes. See Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite did things that were so unique. Yeah, that but because it came before this movie, like the true awkwardness in that movie was actually like cringy at times, but a little bit delightful <laughs> and like more relatable. And then this one, just like let's make it more cringy by grossing the audience out. I think our feelings about these two movies would be a mirror image. <laughs> because- oh man! So you would give you would give Napoleon Dynamite like in the one. May I? I'll be honest. I had only seen it once. It was in college, late at night, with a bunch of friends, and I don't. This is how everyone ever saw Napoleon Dynamite. Right, I understand, and I had not. I don't remember pretty much anything except like Tina, eat your food. Like that's all. That's all I got. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would require rewatching for me to know what I think about it. Bet I could throw this football a quarter mile. Throw it over the mountains over there. So we're doing the top five movies. From the year 2006. All right, well, this, this, I had no problem finding movies to put in a top five, but ranking was definitely a challenge. It was, uh, yes, it was tough. So let me ask you do you have any uh, honorable mentions? I do. Honorable mention Inside Man with Clive Owen and Denzel Washington. Yes. Because anything with Denzel is worthy of me mentioning it. <laughs> yes. Dream Girls, a very good soundtrack. Right. I definitely spent a lot of time listening to the You're Gonna Love Me. I don't mm. even know the title of that song. I have not seen the movie, honestly. I've heard it was really good, but I didn't it was. see it. Yeah. I think Jessica Hudson was, uh, mm-hmm. did that, yep. was in there. Yep. Uh, and then my final honorable mention is Mission Impossible 3. Ooh. Uh, well known to be one of my favorite Mission Impossible movies, but didn't right. crack my top five because there are a lot of movies in 2006 I really liked. Interesting. Spoiler alert, Nacho Libre did not make my top five. That's fine. Neither did it make anything in mine. I thought Mission <laughs> Impossible 3 would be higher, though. I thought you would build it uh, up there. Yep. I wanted, also wanted to say, I put The Departed in kind of a place by itself because it was highly rated and highly sought after 
movie, hmm. I just haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah. And- so I can't in good like it probably deserves to be in some sort of list, but I just I know how it ends. I've seen scenes from it. I have never have I've never seen the whole thing. Neither have I. So yeah, rest assured, not in mine. My honorable mentions, I share one of yours, which is Inside Man. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed that movie. Yep. I also have Devil Wears Prada in my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. My first exposure to Anne Hathaway, I believe, and uh, yes. enjoyed that movie. Emily Blunt is also great. So is Meryl Streep in that movie. Yes, they're all amazing, yeah. And my third honorable mention is another Clive Owen movie, Children of Men. You know, it's a little sci-fi, end of, well, not a little. It is a sci-fi end-of-the-world <laughs> movie, dystopian future kind of thing. Uh, fun fact, when I was in music history in college, we studied 20th century dissonant music. One of the scores we studied was a composer's name by Penderecki, and he wrote something called The Threnody for the Victims of Hiroshima. And it was an extremely dissonant, like, could barely listen to it, musical piece. And I always thought, Mm. what could this possibly, you know, how can you listen to this? And uh, obviously it was for a purpose, and like, I understand the, the meaning behind it. But they actually use it in Children of Men, in the soundtrack during the movie. Nice poll. Yeah, to great effect in the movie also. Really makes you feel uneasy, yeah, tense. So anyway, fun fact. All right, well, let's go to the uh, official top five. My number five is Deja Vu. (laughs) I knew it would be in your top five, Denzel Washington. Another Denzel movie. I watched it recently. I would love for you to watch it at some point in time soon and do... Yes. I have it on my list of movies I love to do for movies on the side. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I don't think we've done a Denzel Washington movie yet. Like, we probably should really Which do that. Which is a travesty. Right. I know. Because I love pretty much all his movies, too. So, yes. Good pick. Well, my number five is Mission Impossible 3. Mm-hmm. I, again, really enjoy the movie, all Mission Impossible movies. So, I chose to put it as five. My number four... I feel like we're we're doing well so far. Devil Wears Prada for me for number four. Yeah, yeah. Now, number four and five for me, I think Devil Wears Prada, Deja Vu, and Mission Impossible 3 were all very close in my mind. Yes. I could probably scramble any of those three, which could have ended up very similar to yours. Right. It's very. I actually saw Devil Wears Prada for the first time probably in this last year. Oh, really? I think after I saw Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place, and I appreciated uh, the other side of her right. in Devil Wears Prada. Pretty fun movie. Meryl Streep is is a is a, a character and a half. Yeah, she does amazing in that movie. I also, I mean, I scrambled these several times, especially like the three, four, five, and under, and honorable mentions. I was very unsure how to rank them. I, I leaned on subjectivity and times watched as we go forward because mm-hmm. uh, yeah they're all very close for me too my number four is the will smith pursuit of happiness mm. i mean really emotionally touching uh, he does a, he has a great performance in that movie so yeah pursuit of happiness wonderful i'll add that to my honorable mention i don't remember it that well but i remember liking it so yes i'll retcon it into mine <laughs> for me my number three is pirates of the caribbean colon dead man's chest Yep. yep. It is probably my favorite. I think we've done a list. 
Yes, we talked movies? about these. Yep, that's right. Is it my number one? Did I? I believe so. My number one. Okay, I think we good. both share it. Yeah, we share it as our best pirates movie. Excellent. Uh, it made bucket loads of money. Right. In two thousand six, Davy Jones is just. Do you fear death? <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow. So good. My number three is the 007 movie, Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I love all 007 movies pretty much, even Skyfall, which you do not like and we'll have to talk about mm-hmm. soon. But uh, yeah, it's my, it's my number three. That song by Adele, though, pretty good. Those intervals between the Skyfall. Yes. I think using I think it's yes. using the uh I don't know music enough to know, but it feels like the James Bond theme song that you're just jumping up to each interval. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good song. Good song. My number two is Casino Royale. I thought as so. Well. That's so. Unashamedly my favorite James Bond movie ever. Every time I talk about it, I think, man, I want to watch it again while I was recovering from surgery. If it had been an option, I think I would have played it. Instead, I watched a little bit of Sahara to get the taste <laughs> of Nacho Libre out of my mouth. Oh, that's terrible. All right. That's my number two. Well, my number two was your number three, Pirates of the Caribbean, Desmond's Chest. Oh, do you think we're going to share the number one? I think our number one is going to be the same, and I'm pretty excited about it. Okay, sorry. Car- no, carry on about carry on about. No, no, no. I was the reason why I put it up on the list was because I, I know of all these movies, minus my number one pick, I've probably seen it the most. Because I know when I got that on DVD, it was a regular watch. I really enjoyed that movie. But anyway, your number one, I bet, stars Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. Every magic trick consists of three parts or acts. <laughs> now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. I can't do a... Um, Michael Caine. I can't do a Michael Caine. <laughs> but you won't find it because of course. <laughs> he's, a, he's just a tour of England right now. All the accents. Yes. The Prestige. Yes, absolutely. When you, when you said what it was making, or what it made or whatever... I don't know. I feel like it's an undervalued movie. It was released on October 20th, 2006. Oh, domestically, it only made 53,000. I mean, 53 million. 53, I was going to say. <laughs> it was me yeah. and you who saw it. That's right. So you're telling me that The Prestige only made $53 million in America? It made $109 million worldwide. I feel like that's a real shame. I feel like if that movie were to come out now, it would be a totally different story from Hugh Jackman's popularity in movies and Christian Bale's too. But I don't know. I like, feel like that movie deserves a lot more than that. I can't believe this is correct. Like I'm looking at it. I'm sort of stunned. The Benchwarmers made more money. Remember that movie? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. <laughs> the Shaggy Dog, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift beat it. <sighs> Flushed Away beat it. Do you remember Flushed Away? Do you remember no. Big Mama's House 2? No, I didn't see any of these movies. No. RV with Robin Williams beat it. Um, Which also I, a we, movie that we watched movie that. I just saw happened in 2006. Yes. V for Vendetta. Oh, boy. 
an interesting movie that feels like right up Emperor SR's. Oh, can't do that. Did you like anyway, it? Anyway, I, I feel like you would love V for Vendetta. I did enjoy V for Vendetta. I'll put that in my honorable mentions now. I wouldn't okay. put it in the top five, but for sure, honorable mentions. So you were going to say that you you and your family saw RV. Yes, we saw RV. 71 million. <laughs> because we literally drove in an RV to North Carolina. So it was... And it comes in the DVD tray of every RV when you have one. I will say nowhere near as good as I remember. Just brief review. <laughs> like not, not really that funny. Even even my even my middle child was like, "What's happening?" <laughs> like there was points in the movie where it was like, "I don't really know what's going on." Anyway, remember, remember the fifth of November. Exactly. Let's let's jump back to prestige before we end this podcast. Yes, like, please. We didn't get a whole we didn't get a whole lot of time to gush about no. this movie. Is love that the your prestige one as well. It is my number one. I love the movie. It is. I I would not say this unless I really felt it. I feel like it's one of. One of the most, I don't know if I want to say this, but if, if you could, if like having a perfect movie was a category that contained other amazing quality movies, I would say The Prestige is one of those perfect movies. Like you could rewatch it. You could like always recommend it. It's one of the few movies my wife actually enjoys, which is mm. really high praise if you follow this mm-hmm. podcast. So yeah, I mean, it was just the twist at the end, everything is just so good. There are movies where, on behalf of the people that I'm talking to, I make sure that they know about it before talking about like the twist. And so I'm not even going to, I think we're both going to, like, we're not going to spoil it for you, even though no. this movie came out in 2006. If you haven't seen The Prestige, go see The Prestige, rent The Prestige, or stream it, or whatever. Yes. I'm with you. It is... As close to a perfect movie for me, like to me, at the very top of my Mount Rushmore of movies that I love personally, The Prestige and Inception are both up there pretty far. Yeah. I think they're also both Christopher Nolan movies. They are. And I feel like if it's one of those movies where if it was nine o'clock at night and someone suggested, hey, Watch the prestige. Like I, I would be hard pressed to find a situation where I would say, like, meh, nah, let's watch something else. Like the ev- most other movies, I would say there will probably be a situation where I would say, meh, maybe something else. But like prestige, like I would say to say, like, sure, let's watch it. Like it's yes, absolutely that good of a movie. Yeah, and I, it was one of the. It would be one of the movies I would feel bad spoiling it if someone had not seen it yet. Exactly. Not your libre. I don't care. He won the last fight. Spoiler. <laughs> right. The orphans are fine at the end of the movie. The end. Yeah. But the prestige, like that's, that's a good enough movie where you, you don't want to spoil it. So right. yeah, man, I think it would be fun in the future to, if we could get a full panel of people on the podcast and each person brings a director with three movies the director has made yeah, battling out in a battle royale of just like kind of a Gus Macker three on three style tournament. I think what Christopher Nolan could bring with the prestige inception and let's say the dark Knight. Yeah, absolutely. If you put those three in a ring with other three movies, it'd be hard to beat them. That would be a fun uh, thought experiment though, for sure. I'd be down for that. 
this is the you've done a great job of just listerine rinsing nacho libre away from my my <laughs> my, my brain i really appreciate it <laughs> thanks for doing this top five with me yeah it was good i was surprised uh how many big movies came out that one year we also need to do morning glory and we need to do australia I recently I have become a bit of what's the non blasphemous term for evangelist? Uh, brand ambassador. Yeah. Okay. Ambassador. I think I've become a brand ambassador for Morning Glory, the Rachel McAdams movie. Yes, you have, and uh, I've not seen it, so we should do it. Listeners, welcome back to Movies on the Side. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's you've been there every week because we had an episode every week, but uh, follow us and comment. We're, we're back and ready to interact. Uh, let Nate know how wrong he is about Nacho Libre. Yes, please do. At Movies on the Side everywhere. You could suggest a movie, of course. And one uh, final thing. And a year had- from when you suggest it, we'll get to it. That's yeah. the great thing about this. You guys <laughs> right. have been clamming for Nacho Libre, and you persistently caused me to finally fold. That's right. That's what you have to do, listener. I do want to say we had one listener suggestion. Uh, from Carolyn, that we do a top five foreign language films at one point. That was kind of inspiring because I had not seen a lot, and I feel like it would be culturally relevant, and I don't know. I, I would like to see more foreign language films so we could do a top five. So I'll have to, uh, I don't know. Absolutely. That sounds great. Do that in the future. So that was a good suggestion, and we will do that in approximately four years. No, maybe sooner. <laughs> <laughs> once we once we do a lot better at seeing more foreign language films. Yes, we will have to do that. These boots are made for walking. And that's just what they'll do.